Alint Phillips, near side. Rockwell to the left. Shoemaker goes to Rockwell. Ball knocked in the air, knocked away. Kobe Singleton on Jay Rockwell. And it is Bedlam at Williams Stadium. It took me 72 hours to get my heart rate down to a normal level after that play Thursday night. And and producer 3000 Chad just had to play that clip to start the show and spike it to unhealthy rates again. What a play. What a game. Welcome to I don't even know what week it is at this point because the weeks are rolling into one another. But the only thing that matters is that we are 5-0 and and we are the Sea of Red Football Podcast. And I am Richie Longshots, joined by the man who is all things Liberty Athletics, John Manson. John, we're three days removed from an absolute banger of a football game. How you feeling? Man, what a great night that was. It was stressful as it could be. We'll get into it some more. But uh, sitting there uh, watching that game, uh, I believe uh, Jacksonville State, we'll be talking plenty about Jacksonville State, but I believe Sam Houston had eight plays uh, inside the red zone, and, and a bunch of those came down inside the five yard line. And, uh, and and every time Kobe, you know, Kobe Singleton, there we had that little clip with him, the PBU on on the fourth down uh, play. But he did that three times, and every time he did that, I got a huge sigh of relief. But at the same time, I'm thinking it's only second down. We got to go do it again. Got three more plays. So uh, what what an amazing a uh, game, a great start to to the midweek. Uh, October games, midweek on the mountain, and uh, we got a quick turnaround, and we're doing it again in, what, four, less than 48 hours from now, we'll be playing playing another game. Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling just turning it around after three days. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for the players and the coaching staff to, to get ready for Tuesday night. But, John, you were there. You were live. Talk about that atmosphere. Talk about what it was like in that stadium, because I know for me, sitting at home in New Jersey, after every stop, I just went, yeah, that's one, but they're going to have at least four more. So what was that like uh, in Lynchburg? Talk about the entire day, the tailgate, the lead up to it, all the midweek on the mountain. Uh, fill that in for all of us that couldn't be there. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know, being there on a Thursday night, uh, just sitting around all day waiting for the game, waiting for uh, for the show, show up at the tailgate. Shout out to uh, Dennis Fields and, and crew. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, several basketball players stopped by, uh, some other athletes and and uh, some of the dance team and and the, the typical uh, uh, suspects there that, that have stopped by most weeks. And it was a lot of fun. And and uh, I did a, a live hit right outside the stadium, right at the, uh, the uh, tailgate uh, with Ed Lane, our guy over there on CBS Radio and Lynchburg and was just talking about it. And, and the first thing that got me is where I park, I walk right by the student's entrance uh, on my way to the uh, to the tailgate. And and the student entrance two hours before kick was wrapped all the way around, you know, from that main uh, entrance there at what would be the 50 yard line on the student side down the sidewalk towards gate one and wrapped back around down the sidewalk heading back towards uh, La Haye Ice Center, and and uh, that just gave, gave me a lot of uh, goosebumps and, and good feelings going into the stadium. And and uh, Liberty came out and scored, got that first touchdown, the first drive of the game, got up seven nothing, looked easy. I was like, oh, we're gonna roll. This is gonna be an easy win. And and of course, that wasn't the case. And uh, 
but but it was good. You know, if we go back to that last driving, touch on that real quick and and keep it moving. But uh, remember that punt we had. I mean, that punt gets overlooked, and because of what uh, Sam Houston did uh, the following drive, but they had the punt down at the one. When that punt got down at the one, I was like, okay, I'm feeling good. There's no way Sam Houston, who's averaging like nine points a game, is going to drive 99 yards with. I think they had zero timeouts at the time. Because uh, they did a challenge that that they missed and, and had another timeout or two during the half. But anyways, uh, I was like, "There's no way." But in the first play, they hit a hit a slant across the middle for about 17 yards, and I was like, "Okay, here we go." And and four or five plays later, they're already down inside the the 35 40 yard line, and 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 we we talked about it. we you know the refs. You know, we can sit here and, and talk about some of the, the questionable calls they had, including that P.I. on on Kobe Singleton. But it all worked out. And and uh, I, I went back and, and watched. Uh, I'm sure most people listening and watching have have done the same thing. I went back and watched it several times, especially the fourth quarter in that last drive, those last few plays. And man, it, it was stressful. But uh, got out of there, and, and at the time, you know, and I tweeted this out: survive in advance. That's all it's about right now for Liberty. I mean, you're you're five and zero. Oh, just get one more win. You know, each and every week, go one and zero. Oh. Sounds like Coach Peak, but at the end of the day, that's all that matters: survive in advance and keep it moving. It really was, and uh, you talked about that that feeling uh, on that final drive, and I kept thinking, man, if this were ten years ago, they would score. Like, just it'd be that class. Classic Liberty, blow, blowing a big game on national TV, but it really feels like things have changed. Really feels like that fo- uh, that our football program has gotten through that. Hey, we're going to lay an egg against an, an inferior opponent, a team that yeah, we were nineteen and a half, twenty point favorites. I disagreed with that line, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, real quick, John, before we jump uh, into our our first guest, where does that rank on defensive stands? in Liberty history where that defense needed to make a stop with the game on the line and they stepped up and did what they had to do. I mean, it's got to be up there, and I think part of it will will depend on how the season plays out. I mean, if if Liberty ends up limping to you know an, an eight and four record or something, which I don't think any of us think that's going to happen, then it, it probably gets knocked down a few few uh, levels. But uh, if this season goes where we think and hope it's going to go, it, it'll be ranked up there. I mean, uh, the, the Arkansas goal line stand last year immediately comes to mind, uh, and then we also the the Southern Miss uh, four overtime. Uh, stand on that t- that two point conversion there in the fourth overtime, but I, th- I think uh, this the Sam Houston stand kind of surpasses that. But but it was different too. I think it was because of they had so many opportunities. Uh, so so I mean it's got to be ranked. It's got to rank way up there. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I think Arkansas has got to be number one probably just because I mean your your only your program's only win over an SEC program and, and you get to stand on defense there uh, late in that game. So. Um, but, but it's up there and especially, you know, because like I said, uh, so many opportunities that they, they had and, you know, you see that happen all the time. I mean, I watch a lot of football this weekend, you know, having our weekends free, it frees you up to watch a lot of hours of, of football. Oh the, yeah. The, the wife's best. probably not happy with me, but, um, but anyways, it, I mean, I saw a lot of plays that were made on goal line, you know, you know, first and goal to go or whatever. And the defensive players get up and celebrate and all this stuff. Then the next play is a touchdown. It's like, well, you know, n- nice celebration. It didn't really matter. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that we were able to do it play after play after play, uh, it's just it's just remarkable. It was. You know, sometimes you just got to escape, escape, get away with the win, run away. At the end of the day, all wins count for one. So 
keep it moving into into this Tuesday. Uh, and for those watching, those who have been joining us uh, in weeks past, thank you for joining us again. If you have not liked, subscribed, retweet, retweeted, whatever method you are watching this on, uh, please make sure you get out there and support us. And uh, those who are new, thank you for joining us for the first time. But we are going to swing it and kick it over to uh, our two guests that we have just about every episode. Uh, our favorite offensive lineman, no offense to some of the others, uh, Mr. 55, Brandon Schlittler, and our favorite play-by-play uh, -play -play announcer, Mr. Jason Border. Yo, what's up, guys? How are we doing tonight? Good evening. What's up? What's up? So, uh, Brendan, take us back to uh, to Thursday night. What was that like uh, for you over there on the sidelines as as uh, Sam Houston marches, what, 96 yards those last three and a half minutes? And uh, then they had, what, eight plays or so in inside the red zone. Uh, what, what's going through your mind and maybe some of your offensive teammates there on the sidelines? Yeah, the whole game in general was kind of all out of the place. and. Um, you know, they're, they're a great team. They're the best 0-5 team now that I've seen in a while. So uh, had a lot of respect for them. Knew their defense was solid. Held, I think, BYU and Air Force under like two or three scores. And we knew it was going to be a dogfight. Um, but on that final stand, uh, the emotions were high. Uh, I think everyone's, you know, heart rate in the stadium was over 150. And the Apple Watchers were signaling exercise and all that stuff. So, um it was fun though. Those are nights that you, you know, you train for and you wish you get because the emotional roller coaster, you can't trade it for anything. So um, great job by the defense. And from my perspective, um, having been in a lot of the scenarios, as you mentioned, the Arkansas, the Southern Miss, you've been in a lot of close games. My focus is just going to be the calm in the storm, regardless of what happened. You got to, you know, be that sense of normalcy, uh, win or lose. So I was trying to prepare for whatever happened and, but the guys did a great job. Uh, Kobe, mental toughness was outstanding in the second half to do what he did. And, uh, you know, the guys rallied behind him. We had just enough. But it wasn't our standard, but we found a way to win. Yeah, V, congrats on the on the, uh, the win this week. Your studio looks a little smaller tonight. Um, but, hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, one of the things that is just so impressive to me just jumps off the page. You know, Cooley goes for 106 on, on the ground uh, last week, and then uh, C.J. Daniels finally kind of breaks out a little bit, 157 uh, through the passing game. So, on average now, we're at, what, 255 yards per game in rush, 235 through air attack. And as I'm thinking about that balance of what of what's going on there, how – how difficult is that to defend? I know you're on the other side of the ball, but uh, man, that's such a such a sweet balance uh, for teams to prepare against. Absolutely, it's a nightmare to defend, and I think having a strong rush game and having a strong passing game already is awful to defend. And then you throw in a quarterback that can run to the end zone every play. That, that's it's super hard. Uh, so the way teams approach is they typically try to take away one or two of those avenues, and they they're going to say you have to beat us with this. You're going to have to beat us with the you know, the pitch this week, you're going to have to beat us with, you're going to have to go over the top of our safeties and throw bombs. You're going to have to make Caden run. Like, they're going to pick what they want us to, to do to try to beat them. And uh, the coaches find that out early and they adjust as the game goes on. But each defensive coordinator will try to 
play to their advantage and pick who they want to take away. But I trust our coaches will make the, the adjustments they've made the first five games and uh, find a way. So, Well, Brendan, we hated that we uh, missed a segment with you last week. I know we had to change our schedule, obviously, with the uh, the midweek games, and, and the team did as well. And you had a team meeting last week during this time. But glad to have you back this week. And, and as always, rocking the uh, R.T. Rogers uh, hat. Uh, go ahead and, and give us some uh, information on R.T. Rogers, who they are, and, and how we can get in contact with them. Absolutely. R.T. Rogers is based out of uh, Southern West Virginia. Uh, Greg Rogers runs at Liberty alum. Great man, great company, and uh, was talking with him earlier this week. He wants me to make sure primary marketing areas are Southeast West Virginia and Southwest Virginia. So if you're in those areas, make sure that's your go-to. You know, your neighbors are all hitting them up, so you might as well, too. So uh, selling fuel, lubricants, tanks, and equipment are the best in the oil industry. So hit them up. Awesome. Appreciate their support as always. Uh, so, so, Brendan, I want to talk about uh, that that offensive uh, rushing attack. I haven't checked the stats today uh, after the this past weekend's games got got finished up, but Liberty's ranked. They were number two in the country. I'm sure they're still up in the top five or so uh, for rushing yards per game. And and uh, you know, this past week had 191, I believe it was, against Sam Houston. The first time uh, this season the team's been held under 200 yards in a game rushing. Uh, which is still a, a good night, right? I mean, a lot of teams would be happy to have 191 on the ground. But uh, it, it seemed like, especially after halftime, you know, the team has got some injuries at, at running back, and, and you don't have to get into any details there. But obviously, Von Blue's out. Quinton's got banged up there in the second quarter and didn't come back to the fourth quarter, and, and Billy was held out. But how much does that just go, give us into the mindset of a, of a player? Uh, how much does having, you know, some of those key contributors, especially, you know, like multiple of them, you know, your top three rushers really on the season, uh, unavailable or dinged up and, and, you know, maybe not at 100 percent. How much does that impact, you know, maybe some of the other guys on uh, the offensive line and the other running backs and things like that? Yeah, when you go into the game, our guys are kind of banged up and there's a few that are out for a little bit and some that are going to be back and, you know, kind of is what it is. But I would say first and foremost, we probably aren't going to change much play calling at all. Um, specifically because we have so much trust in the guys that are behind them. James and Victor and all those guys who will be getting more reps. We see what they do every day in practice, and we're super confident. But uh, as far as an offensive line perspective, it's just we have a veteran group, older guys I think are youngest starters in his fourth season. So you naturally put it on on you and say we we have to be the bridge, the gap between you know what needs to happen and – Every single game, you're going to have guys out. The offense isn't going to play well. The defense isn't going to play well. Something's going to happen on special teams. You just got to pick it up, and someone's got to take it and, you know, bridge that gap. So, I mean, it, from an outside perspective, it kind of stinks to lose some of the guys, but we don't see it that way. So, Brandon, the, the five-day turnaround is a, is a big deal. You know, that's kind of what we're all talking about out here in civilian land. But uh, from Thursday to Tuesday <laughs> – Give us a little peek behind the curtain. What are you guys talking about with that? Are you? I mean, it is what it is, right? So every everybody's got that got that pinch in that time frame right now. But how much of a focus has the coaching staff put on that, or have you guys been talking about it necessarily? Yeah, it's the first time we've ever done this uh, five day turnaround. Uh, coming off a, an emotional, physical game, it'd have been different if it was a boat race in the first half, and we had all of our guys playing. And but to go down to the final wire, it takes a lot out of you. And uh, a lot of guys played a lot of snaps, and but they've done a great job uh, making sure they have the first couple of days to recover, 
uh, hit a little bit today. And honestly, we've treated it like a normal week. Um, we've done practice and film and weights, but at the end of the day, guys are going to hurt a little bit more than normal, but you play football feelings, uh, during the game can't really matter. And during practice, they can't matter. So the team put their feelings aside and, uh, we've done what we needed to do. So when we fly out tomorrow night to Alabama, um, good old saying the haze in the barn, there ain't much more to do. So four and a half days and that's what you got made the most of it. So, Brendan, a lot of talk's been made about the defense and, and, and should be it with their uh, – I think they got 11 interceptions on the season and and uh, the Joker mask and, and all of that. But uh, uh, Liberty's also number three in turnover margin. And some of that has to do, obviously, not just with the defense, but the offense protecting the ball. And and uh, we saw an interception last week from Caden and and a fumble a couple weeks ago at FIU and, and, and all that. But overall, the offense has done really well in protecting the ball. Uh, which is really impressive, especially in this type of offense where uh, you got the option. I mean, there was a pitch Thursday night that I saw, and I, I think the whole crowd had a collective sigh that, oh, man, how did we not fumble that ball? But but how much does this coaching staff, you know, preach into ball control and security uh, it, going back to training camp and even uh, week to week during the season right now? Yeah, on the triple option, you're naturally going to have more of an opportunity to let that ball loose. There's a lot of pitching and handoffs and dives and pulls and a lot of unfamiliar ground that can be uncomfortable at times. So uh, I remember from the first day they got here, first day of practice and every single day, I mean, they're doing ball security all the time. That's something they do every single day and they're focusing on it. And, uh, you know, I think he brought in one of the first meetings and talked just about the ball. That's that's what matters. So uh, it's been a huge emphasis and uh, they practice like that too. The defense is trying to rip it out during practice. They're practicing, hugging it tight and, the defense practice and ripping it away obviously has produced turnovers for them. And then us having to hold on to the ball during practice has helped us, you know, obviously you're going to make mistakes. It happens. We're humans, but to minimize those, you make your bad days good, your good days great. And that's how you help reduce that turnover margin. So uh, they've done a great job with it. It's been a heavy emphasis. Be wide open question here, but looking on to Jacksonville state, what, uh, what are you looking forward to in this game? It's going to be, it's going to be a good one. Absolutely. Physical team. Uh, they're hungry, and I know we we played uh, ULM, who was their head coach now, was the offensive coordinator then, a lot of new staff from there. Um, so they're kind of familiar with us. But, I mean, they are a really hard-playing team. Um, they're confident right now. I would say the biggest thing that stands out to me is we have to play a full four quarters because that team has been down 20 points at halftime, like one or two times, and ended up beating the tar out of the team in the second half. So – we're up 30 points at halftime and just harping the message, next play, next play, next play, until that, that clock goes. I know it's cliche, but uh, against a team like this, with the way they're playing, you have to be like that. So it's going to be a fun battle, a um, lot on the line. They're they're a top conference team. We're getting to the point where you're starting to talk conference, championship, you know, who gets home field advantage. Like these games matter in the long run. Uh, we're well aware of that, and the guys are going to put their best foot forward for sure. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're so far into the season and uh, really about halfway done, which which I hate to even think like that. But, uh, Brendan, thanks as always for joining us, and uh, we look forward to to watching the guys on Tuesday night down in Alabama, and, and hopefully we can get to 4-0 on uh, on Tuesday night on, on ESPNU as well. Appreciate you joining us. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Thanks, Brendan.
So, uh, Jason, uh, about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, when we had the remnants of that tropical storm run run through here, uh, Virginia area and Lynchburg, uh, I, I was out of town. I think that was when I was in Miami for the FIU game. I came home, and my wife said, we got a leak in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, what, what the heck happened? And uh, come to find out, there, there was some uh, leaking going down through the roof, one of the shingles and, and things. But uh, – Take us through what what do some home repair negotiations go into? You know, take us into some of that. Yeah, great question, John. Some some of the most important parts, really, of the home inspection process are those negotiations, and uh, we're back to somewhat of a normal residential market in the sense that we had people passing on home inspections just so they could get their offer accepted back in the day. But now we're kind of back to a normal market condition. So you really do want to make sure that you have that home inspection. And to fast forward all the way to the end, once that home inspection is completed, uh, if you weren't, you and I are buyer and seller and uh, I'm buying your house and I say, hey, John, there's uh, five or six things I want you to fix, including that uh, dripping faucet that you just mentioned a second ago. Um, I'm going to present that to you. And then that becomes our second round of negotiations. And so it really is your second uh, exit ramp, if you will, if the deal doesn't go well or if you look at my list and you say, you know what, Jason, all the things that you're asking for is a little crazy. Instead of these six things, I'll do three of them, and we go back and forth and negotiate that. And if you can't come to terms, buyer and seller, that is a chance to walk away from the contract. So very important peace of mind as far as walking out of the contract, but more so peace of mind from a buyer's perspective of feeling confident about the property that you're buying. So don't skip the home inspection. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the negotiation, too, is to, is to help my buyers walk through that process. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. And, and, and I agree, having bought a couple of houses so far and uh, that home inspection, I look forward to actually getting it when I am the buyer because you can see, you know, make sure you got a good guy that, that's doing those inspections for you as well because you can see what you're getting into and you don't want any, any uh, mistakes or anything creeping up on you after you bought the house because that can be a problem. But uh, Jason... Appreciate you as always joining us. Make sure uh, any of you uh, looking for any real estate needs, reach out to Jason, jasonporterrealestate at gmail.com. And Liberty Guy through and through. Uh, be traveling with the team down to Jacksonville once again with uh, with uh, the team on Tuesday with a big game. Uh, looking forward to, to listen to your call. I won't be making the trip, unfortunately, but uh, I know you guys, you and uh, Alan, will be uh, bringing the heat uh, with the uh, rest of the team down there in Jacksonville. Thanks, Jason. Looking forward to it. Thanks, John. All right, let's get in. Zach McLaren's next up as he uh, brings us some updates of Liberty Flames Athletics around the mountain. I don't know if he got an update on field hockey, but they did take down number one North Carolina earlier this afternoon. So shout out to field hockey. Keep keep things rolling and let's get to Zach. What's up, guys? We are back with your weekly Flame Sports recap. Let's get right into it. Women's soccer tied FIU 0-0 on Saturday. The Lady Flames are now 11-1-1 and 2-1-1 in Conference USA play. They will look to rebound with a win against Jacksonville State on Thursday. Men's soccer, unfortunately, went 0-2 during the week for the first time all season. They lost to Chicago State and SIUE. The Flames are 7-4 overall and 2-2 two two in OVC play. They will face Eastern Illinois on Thursday, looking to rebound with a win there. Women's volleyball lost to number 25 Western Kentucky 3-0 and 3 sets to 2. 
They did rebound with a win over New Mexico State 3-1 on Saturday before falling today by the same score. They will face Jacksonville State this Friday and Saturday. Look guys, we're, we're, we're a field hockey school. Number 10 field hockey goes 2-0 on the week, defeating Villanova 6-0, blanking them, and then upsetting UNC number one team in the country 2-1 in a double overtime thriller this Sunday afternoon. Sion, shot, goal! Liberty with the double overtime winner here in Chapel Hill. The Lady Flames will travel to Quinnipiac this Friday to continue that hot streak and the best start in their program's history. Football is 5-0. The Flames started midweek on the Mountain Strong, defeating Sam Houston State 21-16 on Thursday to open midweek on the Mountain with a W. Kobe Singleton coming in clutch with a pass deflection to help the Flames secure the victory and a goal line stand. Liberty will face Jacksonville State this Tuesday in a battle of two first place teams in Conference USA. That's all from this week's Liberty Sports Recap. As always, go Flames! What a field hockey ending that was. I need more information because, because those UNC players freaked out like something bad happened and went running over to the ref. And I, she just shot the ball into the net. Like, what could have possibly been a foul that those Carolina players were mad about? But irrelevant. The goal stands. Liberty wins. And we are joined again by one of our favorite weekly guests, and that is the former player, the former coach, and now uh, one of us as a fan, and that is Kyle DeArmond. Kyle, how are we doing this evening? Hey, we are we are doing great. It is uh, it's always tough to follow the excitement that Zeke brings with the seventy one seconds around Liberty. Uh, it's all good things, all good things when Liberty's winning games. So shout out to field hockey. That's a huge win for them, and yeah, stoked to be here. It's weird. Yeah, I, I, it's a Sunday night. Flames playing two days. We like we played Thursday. It's just it's weird. It's very strange. It is odd the whole Sunday night thing. But I, I can't imagine how depressing that segment would be if we were just like a very bottom of the barrel. I don't G5 think we would have like, it. I don't think we would have. No, it. no, yeah, no. It be- no. That if we would have been bad, that would have been eighty nine by like eighty six, whatever it is. That would have been done by mid September. Yeah, um, no, but yeah no, we'll 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 take it. Yeah, keep on going, Zeke. Atta baby. <laughs> well, Kyle, uh, take us back to, to, to Thursday night. We talked about it a little bit already, but before we get into Jacksonville State, man, what a crazy ending. I don't think any of us were expecting such a close game, but uh, for you, what was it like watching the defensive stand after you know we saw Sam Houston pretty much go down the field at will on those first 96 yards? Uh, what was it like watching that? Yeah, I mean, you you said it earlier. I mean, I think the the play of the game, obviously Kobe, but before that, the punt by Max Morgan to, to pin him down there, uh, you just can't. I mean that that is a huge play. I mean, if they go, if he if he puts it off his foot, you know, and it's a it's a you know sixty yard drive instead of ninety six yard drive. I mean that that is a total game changer. Um, so to pin him down there, to really put the stress on him. Yeah, it was very stressful watching it for sure. And then to have that many plays inside the goal line is crazy. 
I was shocked that they spiked it on first down because normally, I mean, you can run a play quick enough to be able to truly have four plays, but them spiking it, it made me feel like, okay, what we, you know, we got to hold them for three plays here. So if they would have just ran a play, I think there was like 27 seconds maybe left when they did that. I mean, it could have, you know, I think they could have run a play, but yeah, unbelievable defensive stand by those guys. Um, and you know, the fact that Kobe had that pass interference call in the same drive that was so late, you know, the sideline begged for that call. I've been there. I get it. I've done it, but they begged for the call. The official threw it, you know, Kobe could have been down on himself, but instead he just continued to, to bow up and made a huge play at the end of the game. And, and, and I think what's cool is, you know, he, it was almost like he knew what was coming. You know, he knew that the single receiver to the boundary with that split was going to run a fade. And that is coaching. That is film study. You know, that's just feeling the game as it goes on. You know, they threw, they had the same type of play. They threw that back shoulder fade uh, for a touchdown on the other side, um, you know, early, early in the game. So for Kobe to, to know that and to recognize that and to keep his eyes on the quarterback I mean, that that took a lot of guts to be able to do that because, you know, normally those DB coaches, I don't know what, you know, they're telling them now, but, you know, telling them not to look back immediately. But he was his he's like he knew what was coming. So huge play. Shout out to him. Shout out to the defense. Great win. Absolutely. Probably the play of the season so far. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season goes if something can dethrone that. But offensively, it was a tale of two halves. We had the first half, 21 points, second half, not moving the ball as much. Uh, give us some of your takeaways, what you saw in the first half, what you saw in the second half, and what you think contributed to such obvious differences between the between the two. Yeah, I think in the first half, you know, Caden was pressing a little bit. You know, they ran a little, we ran a, a smash concept. That's where, you know, you have one receiver go to the flats and another receiver run a corner. You know, he kind of got baited into throwing that corner, but you can never go late to that i mean you can't go i mean sometimes you can but they don't you don't ever want to like pump it to the flat and then go and throw it to the corner because that corner the cornerback's just going to fall off and intercept it like he did so um you know and then obviously being down billy lucas which was a, a surprise and you're already already down uh blue vaughn and then quentin cooley gets hurt with that shoulder injury i felt like going in halftime like uh-oh this is not good. We are we run the football. We run the football efficiently. We need to be able to run the football, and we're already down uh, some running backs. But you know, the training staff probably gave Quentin Cooley a nice little shot in the shoulder, and he's probably hurting. And I would be surprised if he's practiced the last couple of days based off of just that shoulder. You know, because that 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 takes a lot. So that's a tough injury. But and then yeah. out and play huge, and then CJ Daniels stepping up. CJ just continues to get better and better and better. I think we talked about it last week about how he's been injured. He really missed some spring spring ball and then, you know, some of training camp. And so for him to get back into the game and get back into the season and really become the number one target that we're, you know, that we're throwing the ball to, I mean, that guy just makes plays. And just real quick, uh, Bedgood, I feel, took some snaps out of the backfield as well. Uh, and his story never gets old, so that's been – uh, awesome to see, you know, his transition back into playing football and to be a contributor uh, to this team. 
Yeah, Kyle, uh, looking at Jacksonville State now as we we move forward, um, obviously it's a big game. Liberty's 5-0 and overall, 3-0 and in conference. Jacksonville State 5-1 and overall, 3-0 and in conference. Only two teams currently at 3-0 and atop the A-Sun, a former A-Sun teams in other sports, but now Conference USA. Uh, only two teams at 3-0 and in the Conference USA, and Western Kentucky's 2-0. and But um, – when I think about Jacksonville State in football, I think back to those two games we had against them not too long ago, 2016, 2017. And Liberty was at the time, you know, fresh off that FCS playoff appearance in 2014, uh, where we won won a game, beat JMU, and and then uh, took it to Villanova, almost almost knocked them off too on an upset on the road. Um, and, and but so just a couple years later we got Jacksonville State coming in, which is a, a traditionally very strong FCS team, top 10 type team, uh, top 10 type program. Uh, 2016, they come in and they just like hit us in the mouth. And like, it was embarrassing to be honest. Then fast forward the next season, 2017, which I believe you're on staff. Then uh, we open up the year, knock off Baylor to get to one and zero, and and again this is just a few months like six seven months after we announced we were going FBS so we knock off Baylor to get to one and zero. Buckshot and AGG have their coming out party and I'm sitting there I went to that game and I'm on the way back a 20 some hour drive I'm crazy I know but a 20 some hour drive I had a lot of time to think I'm looking at our schedule I'm like there's only one team on our schedule that can beat us, and that's Jacksonville State. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we're going to be 10-1. and one. Of course, the season didn't go as we expected it to. But then when we play Jacksonville State, again, same thing. Like, they just, like, rolled over. I felt like we weren't even competitive. Uh, do you have the same type of memories of those games uh, when you think back to them? Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, reminding me there, John, of my coaching career and being over against Jacksonville State. Now, they they – the thing with Jacksonville State is they have some freaks. Like for any Flames fans who have not seen this team, they look like Alabama, Auburn, Jacksonville State. Like the freaks that these guys have on their roster, um, they have dudes at wide receiver. They have running backs. They have massive defensive linemen. They have linebackers that can run. They have safeties that will fly up and smack you in the face. They have long corners. Like – the state of Alabama, and I it was, I was responsible for recruiting it um, when I was there. These kids, like, there's teams everywhere in, in the state of Alabama, and Jacksonville State has done a really good job of finding these kids, you know, in the in the small towns and and going and getting FBS transfers or FBS bounce backs. What we call FBS bounce backs, we're now FBS, but these Power Five bounce backs from Alabama and Auburn. They made a killing on getting those guys uh, to come to Jacksonville State. And so when we played them before, I remember looking out there being like, dear Lord, like this feels like we're playing a, a power five team, um, you know, and now they have Rich Rodriguez. And, you know, we played him when he was the offense coordinator at Louisiana Monroe. Um, and uh, that was a that was a tough game. But you know, they can just get players at Jacksonville State. And he has obviously got them to believe in what they are doing and they're winning football games and they're doing it convincingly and they're winning the tough games. They've won an overtime game like, you know, against Sam Houston state. So this is definitely going to be our toughest battle. This is definitely going to be our toughest battle physically. Um, you know, these guys, these guys are just country boys that will just fly up and try to take your face off. 
and they will run by you on offense. They are very, very impressive, and it's definitely going to be the Flames' toughest match. Super excited for it. Uh, John, quick question. Would a casual fan drive 20 hours to and from a football game? That's a good question. I don't know. You have to ask a casual fan. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, someone called John Manson a casual fan on Twitter. Genuinely very funny to call the man who uh, is all things a sea of red a casual. But, Kyle, we are coming off of a game Thursday night, and we are now playing Tuesday. That is crazy when you think uh, yeah, college brutal. football. Normally, you know, worst is Saturday to Friday, Saturday to Thursday, never Thursday to Tuesday. Uh, talk about some of the quick turnarounds you had in your coaching uh, days and, and, and what are you telling the players? What can we expect uh, to come out? You know, you come out fast to try to beat that, uh, just keep it going or, you know, what can we look for? Well, I think it, it's it's week six. And so a lot of the the physicality of practice is now gone because, you know, you're going against your scout team. Um, and so that's been removed completely from practice. And so I think a lot of it now is like, hey, we have and even when you go Saturday to Saturday, about halfway through the season, it's all about staying healthy and getting healthy throughout the week. And so, like, you know, I would be shocked if Quentin Cooley has practiced all week just with his shoulder. You know, he's a veteran guy. He's been uh, he's been, you know, the the premier running back in our system the whole year. You know, that guy is he's walking through. He's non-contact. You know, he's going through all the mental reps. Um, so it is a difficult transition to go from uh, Saturday to Thursday. Uh, the Thursday to Tuesday is weird because like we talked about a little bit last week, like you got it's just a very strange schedule because you have a Saturday and Sunday in between there where the players are off, where they normally have practice or where they normally have class. So your their schedule is completely off and completely different. So I think that's the biggest thing is the adjustment for the players of having that Saturday and Sunday. Uh, hopefully they use it to their benefit to really study film, to know what they're going to be going against. Because when you have that quick turnaround, there's not going to really be a ton of change on offense or defense. You're not trying to rewrite the wheel. You're trying to get healthy. You're trying to study the opponent. You're trying to put in your game plan, uh, practice for you know two days. And then, like Brendan said, haze in the barn, it's time to go play. So I think getting healthy is the number one thing for our team right now, especially with a bunch of guys that are out. Let's get healthy. It's studied the film and you have to be an adult. You got to be mature about these situations. You can't just like roll through there and just, you know, not study because it's a short week. I mean, you really got to put the time and effort in and hopefully the guys have done that. Kyle, thank you so much. As always, I uh, always learn so much. I know all of our listeners do as well. I played high school football a bite. I was a kicker. You might've seen my tweet banging a 30 yarder uh, this week. Uh, you got any eligibility I, left, Richie? Yeah. You, I, you, you, every, every time I think you need to just continue to let people know, like, you know, well, I can do this. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. The problem is I'm a head case. Like my mental game weak, very weak. I would, yeah, fold we didn't, we didn't pressure. talk about, we didn't talk about the special teams at all, but obviously that needs to get fixed. Hopefully we can, Find somebody who can, you know, make a field goal. But it is – you talk about nervous. I think I'm more nervous when we tried out the field goal team than I am, like, you know, fourth and goal from the three-yard line. Yeah. It's like, geez, come on. We got to – Both. Got to figure something and, out. And, and they will. Also, they will. Well, let's be positive will. here. They will. Yeah. yeah. 
We're positive vibes. That's also, right. if we're in the trust tree, I'm from an Atlantic City suburb. I have no idea what the hay is in the barn means, but I love it. Like, I'm going to start using that, and I've just got to make sure I use it right. Or my colleagues are going to be like, what is this guy talking about? The hay is in the barn. They're going to send me to, to some facility. But <laughs> I love it. But, but Kyle, thank you so much as always. Uh, it's an absolute blessing to have you on. We're looking forward to uh, catching up with you next week uh, after the game Tuesday night. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we are back. It is that time of the podcast where we talk about a little gambling. And there is no one I'd rather, just a little bit, there's no one I'd rather talk a little gambling with than my man, my main man, C.T. Christian Taylor. How are we doing this Sunday night? I'm doing pretty good, but a little birdie told me you may be doing even better. Yeah, I'm up a grand today. Um, I hit two pretty big parlays. Uh, NFL. I did not have a great college football Saturday, but sometimes you're lying in bed and you go, you know what? I'm just going to throw $20, play a little roulette, and next thing you know, that $20 turns into $350. And then you have like a $900 uh, Sunday. And it's a good week putting that money to the side, saving it for a rainy day. But uh, it, it's good to know you can bounce back from a, a mediocre college football Saturday. But a Saturday where we didn't have to watch the Liberty Flames. And, and their update, CT, break it down for us. I don't want to Yeah, that's true. It, it, was, it was honestly great just to be able to watch. Stress-free from a Liberty standpoint, not stress-free from yes. um, our yes. pick standpoint. But it was, it was really nice just to be able to get to sit back and watch. Um, that being the case, we all – nobody went positive last week. Um, we're all in the negative. You're still up on the season, which is great. I went back into the red, and John just keeps on uh, falling off there as hot start. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if it was because we made our picks on Sunday. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to blame it on that, but uh, we did all struggle last week. Um, it, and Joel, it, it, go ahead. No, it, it really is the, uh, the ultimate just game changer where you have to make picks. The lines just came out, and yep. – they're going to move sometimes by a touchdown when injury reports come out and all that where you know you you got to you got a game at a number and sometimes it moves but it is what it is sometimes it works in your favor sometimes it doesn't work in mm-hmm. your favor but we have our guest picker standings uh yep. up on the screen yeah, right so now Joel went 4 and 5 last week so um, he was about down just over one unit so he's tied with Buckshot at the bottom of the barrel um, but our guest tonight, hopefully, um, he knows a thing or two about gambling, and maybe he can even pass Sam at the top. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, it is pretty cool that none of our guest pickers have had just an awful week, like four and five. I'll take a four and five week for thirteen straight weeks, lose thirteen units, and go. I'll see you in September. Uh, it was great, but I have a feeling Austin Marsh is just gonna you two and seven. <laughs> uh lose it all but Naturally. we are we are lucky to be joined uh this week by someone outside of the liberty bubble uh someone who might be a fan of another virginia sports team but uh this evening we are joined by colby dant and i hope i'm saying that right you may see him on twitter as 
the pick Dundee. I just threw, uh, just followed you on Twitter. Uh, and just looking at some of your tweets, what I love, it's not just gambling. It's, it's about sports. And, and at the end of the day, sports are fun. Gambling is supposed to be fun. And I do want to give that normally a couple times a year, I do want to say gambling is fun. Do not let this be a do not gamble anything you're you are not ready to lose. Uh, it, it, it's all in good fun and makes for great stories. But uh, Pick Dundee, thank you so much for joining us. Before we jump in, tell us a little bit about where we can find you. Where where can we catch you on socials? Where can we uh, get more of your content? Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I, I'll piggyback a little bit on what you're saying there on on love and sports. You know, uh, and, and it seems like you guys do too. And uh, one of the things I've always appreciated when I catch a Liberty basketball game or football game is the passion that they have. So love what you guys are doing there. And uh, look, I'm on, I'm on Twitter or X or whatever the heck you want to call it uh, at the Colby D. Um, and I, I host the, <clears throat> the college football experience. Also the college basketball experience uh, for sports gambling podcast network. One of the, uh, one of the original uh, we have like f- you know, 50 some people working for us, but we were, uh, I was there in the garage days. I'll put it like that. All right. Uh, but not, that doesn't really mean anything. I'm just like, uh, you know, just a guy picking games. You know what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. That's awesome. Now, a lot of our people, honestly, uh, they're not necessarily much into the college football community or even like the gambling community or anything like that. What I want to ask you first off. So I know you've said you've been doing this for a minute. So tell us how you got your start. Um, just into the whole sports sphere, gambling sphere, and everything else. Sure, sure. Um, uh, well, first, I mean, I should mention that I'm uh, like one of five uh, siblings that were all guys, so my household was always sports. Uh, I don't even know how that's that, that's possible. It defies odds, right there. But uh, I was, and uh, I I uh, pursue, and I do stand up comedy. I've been doing stand up comedy for over twenty years, and. Uh, I was out here doing stand up and uh, a, f- a friend of mine that also did stand up back in 2011 started this thing called the Sports Gambling Podcast but they were only doing NFL cuz he's a f- diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan and uh you know he was doing my Toys for Tots show and he might have had a few cocktails and told me hey do this thing called podcast the only thing I I I didn't really uh, understand what a podcast was back then and then uh I I I didn't even know what to make of what he was telling me. I was just like, this guy's had, had a few. Um, and then uh, I saw him again at a show, maybe a couple months later. And then, you know, he's like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get you on this podcast thing. I know, you know, sports really well. And also we, we did share at the time, you know, we, uh, a couple trips to Vegas as comics where we, uh, where we were big on March madness and stuff like that. So he knew that I, I liked, you know, betting and stuff like that. And uh, that was kind of the birth of us. And I was like, yeah, you guys don't have anyone doing college football or college basketball. You're messing up. So, um, and, and that's kind of how uh, this whole thing started. Like I said, we, I used to have to push a lawnmower out of the way to, uh, to, to record. And now we have a studio and everything here in Los Angeles. So I don't know what we're doing, but it seems to be working. And uh, I'm trying to, as John Lovett says in wedding ring and wedding singer, I'm here to reap all the benefits. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I love it. And and you can vouch for this. There was a time before this all became legal, before they were DraftKings commercials everywhere, where if you were the person at Thanksgiving that had the under in the Lions game, like grandma said, like, and 
please pray for Richie Longshots' soul for gambling <laughs> for the noon games. Like, and now, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, d- d- check out my parlay. Like, uh, it truly has changed. But uh, it's been cool to see. Uh, uh, and again, responsible. But again, uh, uh, have fun. So we got some games. CT, break it down for us this week. Yeah, we'll go ahead and start off with Tuesday night. Our Liberty Flames playing at Jacksonville State as we've previewed. Uh, all You, me, John, we're on Liberty. Um, and I, I do have a reason why. Um, so at least for me, it's I expected this line to be at two or three, honestly. I, I thought it was, I saw it was the difference between us and Jacksonville State last week and most power ratings were about six points or so. You give two points for the home field advantage, that gets gets it down to four. And then based on last week's results, I was probably going to say give Jacksonville State half a point to a point, and take, take a little bit away from us as well. So I was surprised at this opener at four and a half. I think it's already up to six um, in some places. So it's Liberty's gotten steamed early. I think that's a good sign. Um, Richie, you and I were talking a little bit as well. Um, we, for this, were only doing full game bets, but you and I were really interested in Liberty first half as well, potentially. Yeah, just looking at what, what Liberty has done the past couple of weeks, getting off to a fast start, kind of slowing things down a little bit in the second half. Uh, I put on the Google sheet, I went, give me Liberty first half. And then CT texted me and was like, no, we don't do first half. It's like, all right, fine, just give me Liberty game. Um, if, if I couldn't have gone, uh, I would have gone with the under. I think it's a lot of points. I, but again, it, it could turn into a shootout. Again, it could turn into a second half that things slow down. But uh, for the better of my Twitter mentions, I had to go with Liberty minus four and a half. But Colby doesn't have to worry about that. So he is on Jacksonville State. So if you want to break that one down for us. Well, look, I mean, uh, I understand uh, that it, it's like when I did I, over the summer, I did an Ohio State podcast. And at the end, we're going game by game. And you know, he had them losing to Penn State. He couldn't pick the Michigan, which I understand. I understand the logic there. You guys got a business to run at the same time. Um, but no, look, I I think Liberty can still win this game. I just think four and a half points. I'm fascinated by this matchup um, because I think both coaches are so underrated. Um, J- I think Jamie Chadwell. You know, I, I I hope he stays at Liberty forever because I I with the 12 team playoff coming and, and what Liberty you know can do from a fan standpoint. From a financial standpoint, I think you know they could really turn Liberty into a power, and I think I think he's the right guy to do that. But at the same time, I also know he's in year one, and you saw it in the Sam Houston game. I thought where you know they were pushed a little bit. Sam Houston's much better than their record. I knew that, but at the same time, you know Liberty looked a little human, and and that's and that's fair. It's it's game one, game four or five for for Jamie Chadwell, and. Uh, you know, then you add in Rich Rodriguez, who I've been a big fan of for a long time. Back, you know, back to his time as uh, I remember him when he was an offense coordinator at Tulane, and, and they went undefeated in '98. And um, his halftime adjustments—I I took Middle Tennessee last week, guys. I took Middle Tennessee against Jackson uh, Jacksonville State, and I'm up early. I'm like, oh, there we go, right? And and he he did that two straight weeks. He did it against Sam Houston. He did it against Middle Tennessee. And I, I really buy into his coaching, and and that that's going to be the fascinating point for me to watch this game. Besides the the betting aspect, as someone that just loves football, is Rich Rodriguez has been amazing at halftime adjustments so far this season, in my opinion. Um, so can Jamie Chadwell, you know, that chess match go in between both coaches? Because I fully expect uh, this crowd now. I'm curious. 
because I've watched Jacksonville state a lot in the FCS, but we never caught them on, on, you know, weeknights. So I'm curious how the fan turnout will be for them. I do think they have a passionate fan base over the years. They've been a very good FCS for a long time, as I'm sure you guys well know. Um, but you know, I, I just think four and a half points at home. Now I understand there's the maxion element to this where like you, you play those Tuesday games and you bring in half your crowd because people are working, you know, people aren't commuting. Oh, I, I, you know, so there's that element to it, but I just think four and a half points, Liberty still may well win this game and they might be up early. Like, like uh, Jacksonville state's really done the past few, you know, few games has got down, but I think at home with rich Rodriguez and he can, the fact that he can really break, break out in the second half. If you watch those other two games, you know, they put up a ton of points once he made those adjustments and they have home run threats, you know, that speed option, you know, uh, so they could take it 70, 80 yards at any time. Uh, very similar to Jamie Chadwell in, in a way, Jamie Chadwell made a name for that at, at coastal Carolina too, in, in a similar, in a similar way there. So I just think it's a little bit too many points on the, for a home team that's playing with really, really, you know, a ton of confidence right now. And he's got two different quarterback options that can keep you kind of guessing. Uh, as far as who you're going to see. So uh, I, I, that at the end of the day, I just thought probably a field goal game. I actually would favor Liberty, but I, I, I think the fact that's at home, the fact that Jamie Chadwell's in a much, you know, this is rich Rod's second year. I think he's much more familiar with his personnel than, than say Jamie Chadwell is at this point. So uh, that was my logic on, on taking the four and a half there. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Jacksonville state went on the money line, but I, at the same time, I do think Liberty deserves to be the favorite. Definitely. People, people forget real quick. CT rich rod was going to be the next coach at Alabama. Like that was going mm-hmm. to happen. And for whatever reason, it all fell apart. Like this guy is, is legit. He knows what he's doing. I think he's in a good spot now. So very worried about this game. I just want yeah, that I, on the record. I think it's a fantastic fit um, between the program of Jacksonville State and Rich Rod. Like I think it's great in so yep. many different regards. And He's I got no say, pressure. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I, when I was watching them against Sam Houston the other week, the two-minute drill they ran was the most impressive two-minute drill I've ever seen before. They were mm-hmm. running the play. They they got a first down. They're running every play before the chains were even set. It was unreal. I don't know how they call plays that fast. They're a great coach team and it's going to be a great matchup. Um, that being said, the one thing I will say Colby is you were the first guest all season to go against the flames. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And on top of that, we do have a bit of a little rivalry um, between us and JMU fans. Um, and I do did see that you put up a tweet a little earlier today praising JMU. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your thoughts on that real quick. Uh, well, my co-host first off that I do my show with played defensive back at JMU, but also um, uh, in general, I think JMU, first off, I love JMU and Liberty in the FBS. Uh, and I, I think if people look around at Virginia and Virginia tech struggles, I think you can, you can put some of that into what Liberty and JMU they're serious about football and they're serious about winning. But I, I, the fact that JMU played three straight road games, the fact that the NCAA deprived them of playing in the Sunbelt championship last year, uh, you know, they got a chip on their shoulder. I think they were like, I've been super impressed. Look, I thought they were come up to the FBS and be solid. I did not think they would be as good, especially along the line of scrimmage. 
Like when you, they won three straight road games against teams with all, you know, 500 or better winning. I mean, I respect the Troy Trojans. I respect the Utah state Aggies. I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, they're having a a kind of a a down year. The Aggies are, but they're still solid. Uh, I respect South Alabama. I respect these teams that they've got. I mean, they went on the road and beat Virginia that I somewhat respect, you know, I mean, I, they don't really take football too serious. So, I mean, somewhat respect, but it's a power five win. So I think JMU's a, a, you know, I'm looking forward to the, I I hope that you guys play JMU and I'm not even, like I said, I I actually went to, uh, uh, I was an East Carolina guy. So uh, I I don't even like JMU. They, they beat our, they they beat us down, but at the same time, I just try to give respect where respects due. And and I've been really impressed with their, with their program on the jump up. No doubt. If it's honestly a shame that they're not bowl eligible because I would love, love to be able to see us versus JMU in a bowl game. I think that'd be fantastic. 100%. Um, Yeah. That being the case, let's move on to the other two conference USA games. Is there one of these that you like maybe uh, more than the other? Um, and give us the breakdown on that. Yeah. I mean, I love the, uh, I love the, the, the FIU game. I think my Mike McIntyre is one of the most underrated coaches. Um, he did a great job at San Jose state back in like 15 years ago, I feel like, or 10 years ago. Uh, and then he had, uh, he had Colorado's best year, you know, uh, in a long time. I think he's a really good coach that gets the maximum out of his team. I, I pretty much take them on the over every year and, and it hits, you know, with the exception of that time at Colorado. But the one thing that was important, if you follow FIU, I call them the airport. Um, but uh, is, is they switched quarterbacks. They were going with Grayson James at the end of last season that, that, that law tech game where they, they, they threw for an, a solid, uh, I believe it was four yards and they almost won the game. They were up for 59 minutes, right? Um, so people get, people give Iowa a, a hard time. They didn't look at that FIU with four yards in game one. Um, but they, ever since they switched to Jenkins at the quarterback spot, he's a dual threat quarterback. Now I know you, you read his stats, you say five touchdowns, six interceptions, just the fact he's dual threat. He puts pressure on defenses. And then they, they have a couple good backs in Shamari Lawrence and Owens, their other back. Um, and the fact that UTEP is in kind of a pivotal year with Dana Dimmel kind of seems like to me that they kind of quit on him. And, and I think, I think they're going to get a new head coach this off season. And you're telling me it's, it's at FIU where I, you know, I'm not counting on a, a, a huge home, you know, edge, but at the same time, I think FIU is the better coach team. I think the players are buying into Mike, what Mike McIntyre is doing. So I like FIU at home. There is as probably my favorite play between all three of the uh, CUSA plays. And, and one, have, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I yeah. really like UTEP Stadium. It's awesome. hell yeah. That's my I mean, t- yeah. that's my tiny little bird brain, my one track mind. Uh, I think I read an article in the beginning of the year that said UTEP would be underrated, and I just I can't quit them. I if you like broke down my picks and like which games I've lost, UTEP probably accounts for three to four of them. But I just I you just shoot or shoot. I don't know what you want me to say, but no, I probably a bad, probably a bad pick, but uh, it is what it is. Not my most confident, but again, I'm making these picks. The lines come out at three 30 CTs in the inbox at four going, Hey, make these picks. Uh, so I, I got to ride what I read in August to kind of, to, to get me through uh, making picks like this, but it is what it is. It gives me rooting interest uh, and we'll see what happens. 
I'm not, I'm not going to bet this game. I'm not going to physically put Richie Longshot's money on this game. So it is what it is. With that being the case, Colby, do you like, in your opinion, for doing this for some years now, like, are you somebody that likes to hit lines right when they come out? Or are you somebody that you wait throughout the week, see how things are developing? I mean, I think it's kind of situationally like sometimes. Yes. Like when they, when they, when they come right out, you could find, you could really find an edge on a couple games that you, that, that I think you'll like, but also you also try to play that game of, oh, I bet that's going to go the other way. You know, I bet I can get a better number on, on Friday or, or whatever day. Um, so I'm kind of all over the board, you know, luckily, luckily I don't have to, you know, uh, this is my night, this is my nine to five essentially. So like I, I can come in every day and see, see the board and say, okay, well this, this is that, you know, I understand like when I talked to my brother, who's was like, oh, I've been busy at work. I haven't had a chance. I didn't know the number got to that point, you know? So, so, but if you pay attention to it, if you got some time, uh, you know, if you're working from home or something, I think that's always a, a, a very sharp way to look at it is when the numbers drop, you can find some really good numbers. Absolutely. Let's just run through uh, one favorite for each of us at this point. I'll go ahead and start it off and uh, Richie and then Colby. Um, for me right away, it's Washington minus two. Um, I know I saw a couple comments already that it's saying Washington is not beating Oregon. Um, I, I fully disagree. One road Bo Nix is not the same Bo Nix um, straight up. Um, it, he's a different animal at home. Um, on top of that, I mean, just Washington um, being the home team, having the couple points when you have two ranked teams um, and the home team is the higher ranked team, they'd cover the spread. And I think it's at like 65% or so. Um, so with that being the case, I really like Washington in this spot. I think the Pac-12 is just going to keep on eating each other um, throughout the rest of the season. I think it's going to be extremely entertaining. Uh, but give me Washington in this one. Uh, that was going to be my pick until you uh, felt the same way. Again, Bo Nix on the road, totally different. I love Michael Penix Jr. I think he is a superstar. He's my Heisman pick right now. It's super cool for Washington. They're the most underrated team in the country. And, yeah, there's that West Coast bias, but it is what it is. So I'm going to pivot. USC Notre Dame over. Uh, USC could play IMG on Saturday, and that game would be over 71 points because IMG would find a way to score 17. So uh, I'm fully convinced that this is going to be an absolute 52 to 45. I think USC win the game, wins the game. Notre Dame's kind of hit a plateau. I hope not because I, I like Sam Hartman, but they have the potential to, to air it out against the, a defense that is wildly shaky. Uh, that they have a ton of issues, but they have an incredible offense. So uh, that's my pick right there. Uh, am, am I uh, so for Washington, the Washington yeah. Oregon game? I I love Washington here. Um, I thought Oregon should have lost to Texas Tech in Lubbock. I think Washington is one of the sneakiest uh, play. Uh, people talk about Austin, and Austin's fantastic. If you haven't been to Austin get up there, go to a game. They're passionate. They're, they're everything. That's great with college football. But at the same time, Washington is a very hard place to go into as well. It gets super loud. And you add in the fact to me, the weakness of Oregon that I, that, you know, that Colorado wasn't able to export, uh, you know, exploit this because Colorado, you know, with all due respect to coach prime, um, that they, they just, they're not there yet as a program, their offensive line is, is not good. Um, their defensive line is not very good. Um, 
Well, Washington does have a much better offensive line and, and, and and they're going to have the home crowd behind them. I think one of the weaknesses of Oregon is their secondary Christian Gonzalez is off in the NFL now. Um, and I think when you look at Washington's wideouts, they short of Ohio state, I don't think you can find a team with better wideouts with Polk and McMillan and Odunzi that they're going to be able to exploit uh, Oregon. And then it, then it becomes, uh, you know, can, can Bonex keep up? And I think Bonex is a very good quarterback. And I think they'll, they, they, there will be a lot of points in this game, but I just think Washington's too much. I think Washington also, you know, ha, ha, probably has the, the better defense. Now, maybe the pass defense, maybe you could talk me into both of them being weak in pass defense. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, Kalen DeBowers, he won this game in Eugene last year. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches. I loved him when he was at Fresno. I think that's all the difference here. I'm laying the two with Washington. We're all on the same page. I love it. And I love that you were able to join us uh, this Sunday night. Pick Dundee at Colby D on social media. One last time, where can we find you? Uh, the college football experience, uh, college basketball experience, or, uh, you know, sports gambling podcast network. I appreciate you guys having me on. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, I love what Liberty's doing. Uh, they, to me, they buy into what makes college football and college basketball to me better than better than pro is the home environments and everything. That's great. And Liberty, whenever, every time I watch a Liberty game, I go, Oh, I got to get there. Whether it's basketball, whether it's football, and I haven't even checked out the other sports. So maybe, maybe that's every sport, but you guys do do great stuff there. And uh, I appreciate you guys making time for me. Absolutely. Uh, whenever you want to come out to a game, you say the word, we will take absolutely great care of you. Uh, especially for a basketball game. We, we do a big brand new uh, basketball arena. Uh, and again, I mean, you know, new updates to our, to our football stadium, but whenever you want to come out, you just let us know. And again, thank you for joining us this week. I got a good feeling. I think you're going to, you're going to shoot to the top of the top of our guest picker standings. Uh, well, thanks for having me. And then I will uh, watch out. You're going to get a DM for me. I grew up in Northern Virginia, so uh, uh, yep. I will, uh, I'll make sure you get the old DM there. Thanks again for having me guys. Absolutely. You have a great rest of your Sunday. Likewise. Oh. Genius best and most flames friendly coffee comes from Ironclad Coffee Roasters. Ironclad Roasters serves up their beautiful beans at two cafes in Richmond, where you can enjoy their craft roasted specialty beans anywhere in the country by visiting www.ironcladcoffee.com. Place your order there and it will be directly shipped to your doorstep. Whenever you find yourself in the capital of the Commonwealth, pay them a visit at one of the two cafes in the Richmond area. Ironclad's owners, the O'Rourke family, are proud Flames Club members and season ticket holders. And now they're pleased to sponsor the podcast from the CRA. Hop over to www.ironcladcoffee.com now to get your Virginia's best specialty coffee headed your way. Now, John, I live in New Jersey, and sometimes uh, I can't get great coffee. Um, For me to wake up, I'm going to have to listen or watch that last play from the Sam Houston State game. The equivalent would be me drinking ironclad coffee so if you are someone that if you are lucky to have ironclad coffee that same rush that same adrenaline kick is going to be equivalent to the last play of that sam Houston state game i'm coming down uh for old dominion 11 11 and the number one thing and i tweeted out i was like was that ironclad coffee and uh dennis fields right away said yes sir it is ironclad coffee so all-time great. That's just not me saying this. I don't get any money any money from Ironclad Coffee. I just enjoy the taste. I enjoy the feeling it gives me. 
And what a great opportunity we just had to talk uh, about some college football, not just about Liberty, not just about the state of Virginia, but about everywhere else across the country. And we have our weekday games. Uh, and I do invite everyone, tune in on Saturdays. This has been an incredible college football season. There is no runaway team. There are a solid eight to 10 teams that could make a run for the national championship and uh, all of that good stuff. But we are able to make a run of a championship of our own. And that is in the Conference USA. And for those who are watching, you can see we have the College Football Power Index rankings. And for those who are listening live, you can't see it, but that's okay because spoiler alert, we're number one. Manson, break it down for us. Well, first of all, I want to say it was awesome having Colby on. He's incredibly entertaining. Uh, whether you like gambling, you're into that or not, go make sure you check out uh, his stuff, his content. He's very knowledgeable, and uh, I, I've enjoyed some of his takes. And to be honest, we should have him on every week. That take he had on, on the Liberty JSU game was just phenomenal. And uh, looking forward to uh, to uh, watching him and following him a little bit more as we move forward. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. You talked about it there, Richie. It's been a lot of fun to have the the Thursday night game and then having your Saturday and Sunday free because in the morning you can go do some family things. You know, you got fall festivals and all these fun things. Get some chores done around the house and then clear your calendar for the afternoon. Sit down and watch the YouTube TV multiflex view and, mm -hmm. and pick your favorite. The, the biggest challenge I have Sunday, Saturday afternoon is picking what four games do I want to watch on my YouTube TV multi view. And uh, it, it's been a lot of fun, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, seeing Liberty at, at number one in the, in the FPI rankings right now, it, it's, it's good. Um, but we're still early, right? I mean, we were only three conference games in. We got five more to go. We'll learn a lot more about this Conference USA uh, race and these standings here as we move forward these next couple of weeks. I mean, you got Liberty and Jacksonville State, obviously two 3-0 and teams squaring off on, on Tuesday night. Uh, and, and then a week from Tuesday night, you've got Western Kentucky and Jacksonville State squaring off. So uh, once we get through these next two weeks – uh, and then two weeks after that, you got Liberty and, and WKU. Those are only three teams left unbeaten in, in the league uh, in, in conference play. So uh, by the time we get – and, again, we have to remember, Liberty's got two more non-conference games uh, in November. So by the time we get to November, which I, we don't want to rush along the college football season, of course. We want to enjoy these next few games. But by the time we get there, we're going to have a pretty good idea as far as where Liberty stack, stacks up, where Liberty can uh, – can, can they get – do they still have a shot at that – uh, Conference USA Championship game, and um, you know what else is on the horizon for the Flames, depending on how things go. But uh, looking forward to the game Tuesday night. It's obviously a, a huge show now. Yeah, and we're getting very close to bowl eligibility. And I think the fact that we're in a conference this year, that's not the priority as it was in years past, uh, which is exciting to be at. And and uh, if I'm wrong, forgive me. Jacksonville State is ineligible for conference usa championship yeah that's correct so um other than tuesday night i'm a fan of jacksonville state this season because every win mm -hmm. they have is one less win somebody else has that can make it to conference usa championship game so so yeah that's correct they're ineligible for that they're also ineligible for a bowl game similar to jmu as they're in their year two sam houston's in the same boat year two of this 
this adjustment period from FCS to FBS. So yes, that is correct. So, uh, but this still will affect Liberty standings, right? I mean, if Liberty were to drop this game, they're now you know tied with a Louisiana Tech type, and uh, we'll, we'll need to and, and and also the top team, whoever's first place at the end of the regular season, gets the home field too. So uh, that would be a, an, another amazing environment uh, on a Friday night there. Uh, early December to if, if that game were, were to happen to be at Williams Stadium, which would be a lot of fun. No, totally. But again, we're focused on the team in front of us. And again, that is Jacksonville State. Now, FBI ranked 96, scoring offense 30 and a half points a game. Uh, that's a lot of points. Going to be interesting to see when they do match up uh, against a defense like ours. And as Kyle said, they have a ton of playmakers. They are a complete team, which is similar to, to Liberty this year, where we have said again and again, we're complete. We could do it in the air. We can do it on the ground. Our defense gets it done. Give me a little bit of a breakdown of what you've seen so far with Jacksonville State before we close out for the evening. Well, I said it early on, maybe our very first episode, maybe episode two, that uh, Jacksonville State is a wagon as far as early in the season. It, it takes a, a little bit of time for, for the books to catch up to them and, and where they're at. And their FBI ranking is still a good 15 spots below where it should be. Uh, th this is a good team. Uh, they're they're going to end up probably nine wins, somewhere mm -hmm. around in there, maybe mm -hmm. more. Uh, if I had to set the over under now, certainly at least eight and a half to nine. Uh, they're they're a good team. Uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games. Rich Rodriguez, you talked about it. Uh, he's a great coach. Uh, he's, you know, that's one thing that I feel like Liberty most of the time, even going back uh, when Hugh Freeze was here, had the best coach. When we were going into a game, and we had the best coach. Uh, mm -hmm. I also feel like we had the best quarterback when Malik was here, and, and I think we're getting back to that with, with Caden a little bit too. But uh, if you go into a game having the best coach and the best quarterback, you're going to win your fair share of games. We saw that with Liberty a lot under under Hugh Freeze and, and uh, when Buckshot was here and then also Malik. But uh, it's been the same thing with Jamie Chadwell. Liberty has had the best coach on the sideline every game pretty much this season in my opinion this week of course i i, I favor to uh to, to coach chadwell but rich rodriguez is no slouch i mean he's been at michigan we know what he's done at, at west virginia i was a wvu fan back in the day with pat white man that was a fun teams noel devon pat mcafee oh yeah like oh yeah Man, those those are some fun games. To watch. I was a I was a WVU fan then, but uh, their their offense they play with tempo. They're the second fastest team uh, as far as number of plays that they get off in between uh, from play to play on the play clock uh, before they snap the ball. Uh, they're they're going to run up and down the field. They do have two quarterbacks. You heard Kyle talking about that earlier. They rotate them in, in and out pretty pretty freely. Uh, they're both dual action uh you know type type guys dual threat guys that they can run and pass the ball they're they're a little bit more dangerous on the ground uh Malik Jackson impact player we have here on this slide uh leads the conference in rushing he's right at 90 some odd uh rushing yards per game wow um if you look at the conference USA stats which I was doing some this weekend in between games uh that I was watching uh, it's Liberty or Jacksonville State, first and second, almost every category. So I know back in the preseason, everybody hyped up, including ourselves, Liberty, Western Kentucky. But this is the game that we're all looking for, right? This is two 3-0 and teams. We might see that again in two weeks, and I hope we do see that again in two weeks when we play WKU. But today, 
it's Liberty and Jacksonville State that are at the top of the standings. They're the two teams that have been the best, most complete, most consistent teams since week one. Uh, huge game, national TV audience, uh, only like two or three football games at, on at the same time. I mean, it, it's fun. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it, and we're only 45 hours from uh, from kickoff. Let's go. It, it, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I can't wait. Um, maybe we'll do a little Twitter live before the game. Let's do it. I'm I, I'm I'm not traveling this week, yeah. so uh, let, let's jump on there. The game starts at 7:30 Eastern, I believe. So yeah, sure, we can get on there for about 15, 20 minutes and chat. Yeah, ha- have a little fun. Uh, it's going to be a great night on Twitter. It's going to be great, a great night in general for Liberty Athletics. But John, as always, thank you so much. Thank you to all of our guests uh, that have joined, and thank you for all those who have tuned in this evening. Make sure you like, subscribe to whichever platform you are joining us on, and as always. Stay blessed, stay hydrated, stay fly, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great night. Go Flames. Go Flames.